Thomas, here we are, episode six, the end of the pilot season. We set out at the start to do six episodes and see where we get to. How do you feel we're tracking? Oh, to be honest, I think we're nailing it. <laughs> Couldn't be happier with how uh, it's going. Excellent. So, yeah, whether we continue or not, I guess it depends on the old supply and demand, to borrow an economic term. Is mm. there demand for the supply or are we getting high on our own supply? <laughs> I think we might be overpriced, <laughs> overpriced and undervalued uh well i mean the worst thing is the economy's fixed now though so probably not much to talk about anymore share market's booming everything's good yeah grab a beer boys our work here is done can i just get a minimum chips please Hello and welcome to Minimum Chips, a podcast putting the nom 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 back in economics. It's the world of money as seen through the eyes of a comedian and a real life economist. Oh, did I mention we're brothers too? So there'll be fights. Yes, welcome to episode six of Minimum Chips. My name's Adam Kiley and I am joined, of course, as always by my brother, Thomas. Thomas, how are you? Oh, I'm very good. Thanks, Adam. Uh, look, the stock market's booming, uh, but mm. we're in a recession. Now, without boring us all to tears, can we start with an explanation of a recession, please? I don't think you need to qualify it like that, dude. <laughs> Jeez, come on. Haven't well, I proved my worth through the pilot season? <laughs> don't bore everyone, Thomas. Well, that's some of the feedback that's been coming through. Right, oh, is it? okay, fair enough. People have said to me, can you just make sure he doesn't get too boring along the way? <laughs> anyway, right. you're already boring people, look. Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, so a recession is a technical economics term. It means two consecutive quarters of ne- negative economic growth, so negative growth in GDP. GDP is the measure of how much stuff we produce as an economy. And if that goes backwards, if we produce less this quarter in the March quarter, say, than we did in the December quarter, and we do that twice in a row, that gives us a recession. So when you say what we produce, you mean like mm. coal, oil, whatever it is, whatever your commodity might be or whatever your industries are? All, all, all economic activity. So it includes services, podcasts, for example. <laughs> if anyone was paying for this. I feel like we might be contributing to the recession. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, if, if someone was paying us to do this, Mm. Hint. Uh, yeah, then it, then it, then it's a uh, economic transaction and it gets captured in the GDP uh, measure. Unless it's a cash job, which we're also open to. Yes. <laughs> cash for comments. <laughs> no, 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 just cash. So that's so we're in a recession now, though. Uh, yes. Yeah. It seems like it's yep locked in. And is a recession. Does a recession cause a depression? Yes, yes. Well, a a recession precedes a depression. So recession is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. A depression is four consecutive quarters. So a full year of negative economic growth. And that gives you a depression. And we don't really have more definitions for that because it's pretty uncommon. uh, Recessions are relatively rare. Depressions are almost unheard of. Yeah, right. So when they talk about the Great Depression... Mm. Was that greater than other depressions? Yeah, well, it was Because you always epic. hear that. Like growing up, you always mm. heard about the Great Depression. Mm, mm. Have we not had any depressions since that one? It's, there hasn't been a depression since that one, no. Right. Not in Australia. But we might be heading for one. 
we might be heading for one. It's 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 a possibility. Yeah. I don't want to make too light of it. Like obviously, that's a, it's bad news for a lot of people if it happens. But mm, mm. but I don't know. I guess you're growing up and you hear these terms of recession, and you hear you know people, parents and grandparents talk about the Great Depression. Mm. Um, they're kind of I don't know. To me, maybe different for you. You might have paid attention to what they meant. I just kind <laughs> of heard these words being thrown around. You just thought they were all sad. <laughs> What's wrong with grandpa? Yeah. Um, so getting on to what we want to talk about today. So we're talking about value and how how do you know what a stock is worth? We are, you know, we're talking recession and depression, but stocks are booming at the moment. Mm. So what I want to know is who's buying these stocks? Yeah, it's a good question. The sort of there's a stylized fact that's sort of taking hold in the media in some places that what we've seen is a shift from institutional investors to retail investors. So it's not your big banks and your hedge funds and your professional players in the market. It's your retail investors. It's your mum and dad investors. It's your millennials with a trading app, Main Street investors, so to speak. Main Street as opposed to Wall Street. Yeah. I guess there was a big dip and a lot of people bought in thinking, you beauty, I'm going to cash in. And they did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them did really well. Like we saw this when the when the stock market first crashed, there was a boom in Google searches for how do I buy stocks? So that search term <laughs> boomed. Yeah. There was a few from my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So it really took off. And you, and you see there's like online trading platforms around the world like Robinhood, eToro in Australia, Schwab in, in the US. Um, and the number of online accounts has boomed since the, since the crash has really taken off. You know what it is too though. There's been no sport on. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. There's no sport. So all these people and myself included, I don't mind a punt on on anything. Anything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So why not have a flutter on the on the stock market instead? If if there's no brokerage fee, it's free, right? You can just Yes, well, yes and no. Yes, it's technically true there's no fees with these guys. Um, but no, there's always you, there's nothing free in economics, you can guarantee that. They they just they just get you in other ways. So they either get you on the spread, the, so the bid ask spread, so they'll sell sell a stock at a certain price and that's lower than they'll they'll buy the stock. So they buy it cheap and sell it for a margin. Yeah, okay. And they make money that way or they take a cut on the dividend. So the stocks are a share in a company's profits. So you, when the dividend comes, when you get that share of the profits, um, they'll take a cut. Um, so what are they buying? What are these retail investors buying? Hertz. Just Hertz. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean it hurts? Hertz, the, the car company. So uh, the funny story there was that uh, Hertz filed for bankruptcy. So they, they, were, they were a company in a lot of trouble. They had a huge amount of debt. They had an aging car fleet. Uber had totally destroyed their business model. They were in real trouble. Um, and then COVID hit, travel dried up and car rentals collapsed. They went to their creditors and their creditors were like, yeah, nah, we're not giving you any more money. You're getting called on your debts, and so Hertz filed for bankruptcy protection. Right. So they said we're bust. We'll get the judge to protect our assets and enter into a wind up of the company. And so they did that, and the share price collapsed to fifty six cents. But then somewhere, and I think it came out of Reddit or something, people decided that it'd be fun to buy Hertz. So a few people started buying Hertz. So buying a bankrupt com- company, it's pretty crazy. It, it sort of got a bit of momentum and then people started seeing the price go up 
And either they thought, I'll take a punt and try and get out before the price collapses, or they just didn't realize that Hertz was actually bankrupt. And that so, should have been the second Google search after how do I buy stocks? <laughs> is is this company Hertz that I'm about to buy stocks in bankrupt or not? Bankrupt, That's yeah. one of those things. I'm no economic expert, but one of those things when I imagine the experts who are assessing companies in, you know, whether it's, you know, Berkshire Hathaway's analysts or whatever, mm. <laughs> I think one of the key things they would look for when deciding to invest in a company mm. or not, step one, is the company bankrupt? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. It'd be one of yeah. those filters they apply. Yeah, yeah. It's a screen. It's a screen. It's bankruptcy screen. <laughs> we screen all bankrupt companies from our investment portfolio. Uh, but not the retail yeah. investors. Not the retail investors. No, right. for whatever reason, like 96,000 people on Robinhood, this is like a popular trading app in the UK, 96,000 people opened the position on Hertz after it had gone bankrupt. The share price of Hertz spiked from $0.56 cents to over $5. Huge boom in the share price of a, of a bankrupt company. And I don't, like, I don't know if people understand how crazy that is because as a shareholder, you're last in line. Because as a, when you become a shareholder, you're effectively becoming a, a part owner of the company. And so when a company gets wound up, um, the owners of the company are last in line. So the, the administrators come in and they start dealing with the story and they pay back all, like they pay back the banks, they pay back the bondholders, sort of the common debt holders, they pay them out first. If after all of that, there's anything left, yeah. then shareholders might get some of their money back. <laughs> but generally it doesn't happen. It's so dumb. Like it's so dumb. Like for for a company that went bankrupt because it yeah. had massive amounts of debt outstanding. It's already bankrupt. Like it's already bankrupt. The risk is when you buy stocks that the company <laughs> yeah. might go bankrupt. <laughs> At least you don't have that risk because it's already bankrupt. That's right. Yeah. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? It's already bankrupt. The only, only way, way is, is up. up. From <laughs> yeah. So not 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 only that. So then hurts itself. Was looking at this going like, oh, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of demand for our stock. Great. Maybe we could issue some stock. Of course. So they go to their bankruptcy judge and say, we would like to issue some stock. We'd like to issue half a billion dollars worth of stock because people are buying it. And the judge is like, well, it's like literally the first time in history that a bankrupt company has ever issued new stock, done a new capital raising. You got to give the people what they want. Yeah, you got to meet the market. <laughs> and so so the bankruptcy judge has approved it. He's gone, all right, because his only interest is making sure the, the, the debt holders get paid out, like get something. And it's like, well, I guess this helps, you know, like literally the strategy was we're going to raise money from equity holders, from sell shares and pay off the bondholders and then go bankrupt. Like that's literally the plan. And the, I, the, the prospectus is just hilarious. They're saying like, because, you know, they have to be very upfront about this because they don't want people coming after them afterwards and saying like, we are bankrupt. It's very likely that we'll go bust and these shares will be worth nothing. But please buy them. Please buy them. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, wow. This reminds me a lot of um, when COVID kicked off, there was 
Um, there's a company called Zoom, which probably everyone's heard of. We're using it right now so that we can see each other while we record. So Zoom, obviously people were just like, Zoom's going to go massive. It's video conferencing, it's team meetings and stuff. Um, the share price is going to skyrocket because there's going to be huge demand for Zoom. There's another company, and I think it's from memory, I think it's called Zoom Technologies. It's it's not the same company that makes the video conferencing <laughs> their share price went up something like 800% because people couldn't be bothered finding out if the Zoom that they were banking on to unite the world during COVID was the same Zoom that was the one that they were going to buy stocks in. So this this thing just like spiked 800% and then once everyone kind of went, oh, that's the wrong company and pulled their money out, it then just dropped off again. Well, you can imagine those yeah. guys, the owners of Zoom Technologies, just going, "What's going on? Why are we?" They would have ca- they would have cashed out. Oh, yeah, surely. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's funny. It, it's 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 crazy stories. It, it makes it the whole market seem ridiculous, and a lot of people sort of pointing to this as like prime example of the idiocy of the market. But it's 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 also hard to know how big an impact these Robin Hood investors are having, or this. These sort of this new wave of younger, you know, punters, mm. people who are just in it, in, it, in it for a bit of a flutter. How big of effect that's having? But it's also not hard to imagine, in the sense that a lot of like momentum really matters in the market. So it's a lot of like there's a momentum strategy, which is just sort of like robots set up to just follow whatever the market's doing. If the market's going up, then buy, and if it's going down, then sell. And and that ends up being quite an effective strategy if, if, if it's executed just blindly. So you're talking, you're talking the, these sort of AI type, the robots, the mm. programs that basically are just looking at the market and, yeah. then, and then triggering. Yeah, and they're, and they're a huge p- part of the market now. Like mm. on, on, day, in, on day-to-day volumes, they're, they're a huge part. And, and it's why like, and, and, they're ju- and they are robots in the sense that they're just following decision rules. Like they're not, they're not asking questions like, is this company bankrupt? <laughs> Yeah, they're just following the money. Again, yeah. again, the horse racing analogy, it's like, you know, if you see if you saw someone go up and stick $10,000 on the nose of a of a horse, then you'd be pretty tempted to go, "Oh, I might get on on that as well mm. because yeah. that's where the money is." And that and that's right. And so you you get this sort of momentum effect, you get that sort of day trader effect that they're just follow, they're not 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 interested in the fundamentals of the company at all, or only following the patterns in the share price. So one one of the things we've seen, so while it's true that that retail investors have become very active in the market, it's not true that institutional investors aren't, aren't playing a part as well. And we did see that the investors, the hedge fund investors, did go to cash in March during the crash. But they're now they've now fully reversed, and they're now in the market. They're now buying hedge funds are close to fully long on a lot of survey measures. So they're they're back in the market and they're back buying. And in a way, interesting thing like there's a great quote uh, after the GFC. Well, no, so it was just before the GFC fully broke, like fully, fully went crazy. And it was the CEO of Citibank, uh, Charles Prince, I think his, his name was. And he, he has this quote where he says, we, we know liquidity is going to be a problem, mm. but when the music's playing, you've got to be dancing. And right now we're dancing. Yeah. And it's sort of this idea that fund managers are assessed and often paid on the basis of relative performance. 
So it's relative to how the market's doing. So if you beat the market by 2%, then you get a bonus and or you're seen as a good manager. So if the market's going up, you kind of need to be in the market because you need to be making that money like everyone else in the market. If you sit it out, you know, so say the market goes up 10%, but you think it's totally crazy. There's absolutely no reason. It's all it's all Robin Hood investors who've got no idea what they're doing. If you, if you sit it out over that period and it goes up 10%, at the end of that period, you've underperformed the market by 10%. And that looks really bad. And you get calls from your clients saying, hey, what's going on? You just underperformed the market by 10%. Hey, what's going on? Why are you protecting me from this bubble? <laughs> <laughs> I want in, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, and so the music's playing, and you've got to be dancing. And I think that's what there's that effect happening right now. That the market's going up. No one's really sure why, or there there are some reasons, but they don't look like great reasons. What are we teenagers? This is just FOMO. <laughs> this is like fear of missing out. This, this is like jumping on the end of a line at a nightclub or something just because there's a line. Like yeah. So you get in there and you go, well, this nightclub sucks. Well, this- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah. music's playing, but I'm not dancing. Yeah, that's it's just like that. That's a great analogy. Actually. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> so we talk about the market momentum and the, I guess the mood. Is that really the only thing that matters then? Like, what determines stock value? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really interesting question because there's a lot of you know a lot of science go, goes into trying to understand what fair value of a company is. And there's sort of like a fundamental layer and then there's like an expectations layer or like the herd dynamic layer. So at at the fundamental level, you think about what a share is. A share is a share in the ownership of the company. And that share of the ownership of the company entitles you to a share of the profits of the company. And so the, the fair value of a share should reflect what the value of the company's profits is you know, in the future. So if you, the net present value of that in the moment, what are you willing to pay? What is that, that potential profit stream worth to you? That's the fundamental value of a share. And there's a lot of speculation around that because the future is unknowable. There's a lot of uncertainty there. So everyone's trying to take their best guess at what the outlook for profits for a particular company is. And that outlook for profits should determine the fundamental value of, of the share. Because it's unknowable, there's a lot of uh, herd behavior and expectations. And so people get excited about a stock and people think that the, that profit stream is going to be more than it currently is. So people start buying or some bad news comes around. So people think the profits are going to be less. So it goes down. Oh, peer, peer pressure is a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you buy that stock? Well, my mate, the fund manager, <laughs> he bought some. So mm. I figured I'd better buy some because you don't, I don't know. I just do what yeah. everyone else is doing. Yeah, yeah. Wait till you hear about the bullying in the market. Too. <laughs> I bet. This is like yeah. high school again. This is, yeah. oh man. So, so the stock then, the stock value should be kind of everything at the very least, everything that's known about the company. That's right. Because I think a lot of people look at, how much money a company's going to make. And I look at a company like Apple and I go, they're going to make heaps of money. So I should buy some Apple stock. But that's not really the best way to approach it. Yeah, no, that's right. So the company is going to make money. But if everyone expects the company to make money, that should be reflected in the share price already. Because a share price should reflect the future outlook for the company. And even if profits are expected to go up, so like Apple, you, you might think, 
you're really bullish on Apple or the market's really bullish on Apple and they expect prices to go up 10% every year from here to infinity. That's a, that's a huge increase. All right. So, But if everyone expects that and that's what the market thinks, that should be reflected in the share price already. So if you're, if you're buying just on the basis that you have a pretty good idea that, price, that profits are going to go up 10% every year, if everyone thinks that, that's already should already be in the share price. Even potentially then, if a company's forecast forecasted to make money, if they don't make enough, then that's their share price will go down. So even though they might still be making tons of money, if it's not what they were expecting to make, then you might actually lose money if you invested in that company because they're not performing to what the expectation was. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's the it's the it's the collective expectations that determine share prices. And so you're really only going to so you can buy this idea you buy a stock and and it should go up in price. That's only true if like a, a stock will be underpriced if the market is you know is being overly pessimistic about the outlook for that company. And you would know that how. That's that's a whole field of finance. There's a lot of measures you can look at in terms of the company's financials. Yeah, let's let's not go there. I, I got a tip the other day from a mate of mine about a company mm-hmm. that he thinks is going to boom. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe he might not have investigated fully the fundamentals? <laughs> Possibly. Yes. <laughs> yes. How that's... good is he at reading financial accounts? Yeah, he works for the government. In a non-financial capacity. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's tricky. Like, I mean, a lot of a lot of booms will come through like a new product development. Apple's got an exciting new product that the market doesn't know about. If you get if you get wind of that first, then great. Or a mining company has a has found an exciting new yeah vein of gold. Yeah, yeah. That and that's and the and the the market doesn't know that yet. So if you if you get a, you get insight into that kind of thing before the market does, then you can you know buy buy a stock cheaply. Yeah. No, it's and it's hard. And this is the thing about buying stocks that I don't think people realise is that like to to really have a good idea of what what a stock should be valued at, you really need to understand the outlook for the company. And to understand the outlook for the company, you need to understand where the company's at right now. And that involves a lot of measures. It's like how much cash do they have, how much debt, how much available cash flow. Is it bankrupt? Is it bankrupt? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Big questions you need to be asking. That's that's gone straight to the top of my question list. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, exactly, but exactly right. Like that's that's you need to understand the health of the company. You need to understand the outlook of the company. And there's a lot of really smart people spending all day every day trying to crunch these numbers and get an idea of that. And that's the thing I think that retail investors don't appreciate. The Robin Hood investors really don't appreciate is that they're massively outgunned going into the market. You're going up against professional fund managers who've got 20, 30 years experience analyzing companies and trying to understand what the, what the share is worth and what the outlook is and trying to, trying to get an edge on the market. And you're a punter with an app just having a crack. Like, you know, you, you, you're bringing a water pistol to a bazooka fight. Mm. But a tip's a tip. I mean, you know, I, I love I love a good tip. 
<laughs> someone says, someone, it could even be someone almost unknown. If someone just says to me, Oi, Morfittville, race five, number three, I'll be tempted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you would just be kicking yourself. Of course, you... wouldn't you? It's <laughs> the FOMO again. <laughs> it's the... <laughs> you would. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, it's like, mm. it's like anyone betting you're betting against Mm. if you're betting against sports bets the same thing you're going you know sports bet pile in tons of research and and effort into knowing the true value of a horse Mm. and then the odds they offer you are less than that so that they're going to make money Mm. um so again the only way you're going to make money is if you know something that they don't know and the likelihood that you do is low i'm not saying people can't Mm. know that for sure but the likelihood is that you don't so I mean, you think you think about what happens when you buy a stock. I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I watch it every day in the hope that it goes up. No, but I mean, I mean, you buy a stock because you think it's it's undervalued and that it's going to go up in price. But the person selling it to you mm. is selling it to you because they think it's overvalued and it's going to go down. So there's at least one other person in the market who thinks the opposite of what you do. You both can't, and you both can't be right. One of you has to be wrong. True. You know. So yeah. So I mean, you look at and you look at. I think people look at the trajectory of the share market, the ASX 200, and the indices that are out there, and they see them go up over time and think that there's a fundamental reason that they keep going up, but. Mm. it's not necessarily how it works because the future should be reflected in the share price so the your growing economy all the things that you know we say to drive the market higher all of that should theoretically be in the share price already all that performance is already factored in yeah and in to use that analogy before when you say if you want to buy then there's someone who's has the opposite view they're looking to sell you can't both be right but you can both be kind of wrong in a sense that the price could be the true price it could there's every likelihood that it's accurately priced and then you both lose because you've both paid a commission or a brokerage fee yeah. For the transaction. Robin Hood's the only winner. Robin Hood's the winner. Ironically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Takes from the rich and the poor. And the poor. <laughs> Turns out Robin Hood's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but it's, it's also right. But it's also that, that that fundamental value is never realized because the future never arrives. Hmm. The future always exists. And so you'd never know for sure at any point in time what a, co- what a company was fundamentally worth. It's, it's a collective outlook on, on the future of that company. So um, we started out asking the question, mm. how do you know what a stock is worth? Um, what, have, what have we learned? Well, I, think, I think fundamentally that, it, that the share price reflects the, the collective outlook for the future of a company. That's fundamentally what it should be. The share price changes when the collective outlook for the future of the company changes. Yeah, and that and and when you're betting on betting on stocks, like if you're a Robin Hood punter, the bet that you're taking is that you've got an insight into the outlook for the company that the average of the market, the rest of the market as a whole doesn't have that you're you're you reckon that you're you've got an edge there somewhere. Um and maybe you want to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Oh oh no you didn't oh, that was last episode <laughs> really? in the pilot. That, I was just bringing it. Is that what we're gonna finish on? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Oh god, Boom, I feel I feel it. dirty. In the can. I feel like you just ran out of 
Yeah, we did. We just like I can't be fucked thinking about what else we talked about. <laughs> so I'm just gonna give a catch-all bit of advice, which is check yourself before you wreck yourself, and hopefully everyone just accepts that and moves on. <laughs> well, that's financial wisdom. <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself. A guide to fundamental <laughs> stock analysis. Uh, all right. Well, that does wrap us up for today. Uh, thanks, Thomas, always for your insights. It's been an interesting discussion. Uh, we did pleasure. set out to make six episodes as we talked about. This is episode number six, the end of what we would call our pilot season. We'd love to hear what you think, whether you're liking the show, whether you, you want to hear more, whether you've got any questions. Go and hit us up on the Minimum Chips podcast facebook page uh leave any feedback or comments a thousand likes and we'll do another another series uh two thousand likes and we won't (laughs) but yeah we really appreciate you listening and uh thanks we hope to see you again soon yeah thanks everyone this podcast is for entertainment purposes only You should always consult with licensed professionals before making any financial or investment decisions, and do your own research.